Hello, hello. Hello. How are we today? Sleep deprived. How are you? Same. I'm on, I was going to say coffee number three, but I've had two coffees and a monster. So. Wow. Doing good. I feel like. Let's get into it. I'm excited for this. All right. We're jumping in. Okay. I mean, do you have anything you want to say? No. I just, I'm ready. I mean, I've been excited for this. I don't think anyone else will find this interesting, but we do. You know, all I have to say, class is back in session. I'm Kate. And I'm Jane. And this is Creeps and Coffee. A show where we talk about the dark parts of the world around us. Cryptids, conspiracies, things that go bump in the night. And the crimes behind the scariest creatures of all, humans. Join us as we take a look at the stories sure to give you the creeps. Pull up a seat, grab a coffee, and let's have a chat. Jamie, why are you so excited about this episode? Because I got to color code it and make categories. Oh my god. I don't Um, think you guys understand how long I've been begging. We've been doing this show for what, two years? Almost three? Yeah. I've been begging this woman to actually color code things. Every time I open our Google Doc, she's just got things highlighted in different colors. And I'm like, oh, what does this color mean? I don't nothing. remember anymore. <laughs> yeah, nothing. I just think I thought it looked good. Well, why is this a different color than the other highlight? Because it means oh. something else, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. But so. this one, I actually color color coordinated. I highlighted it, and I gave them titles, so I know what I'm talking about. But I'm also excited because we're talking about ghosts again. I am so excited that we're talking about ghosts again. You guys ghost know. adjacent, but... Well, yeah, I guess. But you guys know how much I love ghosts. And love yeah. talking about ghosts. I think the last time we really got to talk about ghosts in depth, we've had a couple, like, individual ghost stories that we've looked at. But the last time we actually got to talk in depth about ghosts was Hauntings 101. Yeah. And that... It's continues, one of our most popular episodes. Continues to be one of the more popular episodes continues to be one of my favorite episodes so i thanks for being spooky guys <laughs> yeah thank you for indulging in my ghost conversation because most people <laughs> will not let me talk about them shall shall i start with our, our first category do we want to give an introduction of what we're gonna be talking about do, do you want Cause, to yeah because all we've said so far is it's ghost adjacent that's true you should explain what we're doing <laughs> So, our topic for today, Jamie and I have spent more hours than I would care to admit watching ghost hunting shows and talking about doing our own investigations, which I will never do. I will. And Jamie, Jamie would love to do. So, if we would like to get someone who wants to do investigations with Jamie, that'd be sick, because I refuse to do it. <laughs> but we spent a lot of time looking at different ghost hunting equipment and sort of the sciency aspect of communicating with whatever other side you believe there to be. So we thought, what better way to continue those conversations that we have on the daily than to bring it to the attention of you guys. So we are going to go through different equipment that they use in paranormal investigations. Some of them you'll probably have heard of, some of them maybe you won't have, which is the exciting part if you ask me. Mm-hmm. But we're going to talk about different categories of ghost hunting equipment and a couple different 
uh, methods of investigation that can be used with that equipment. So I'm excited. I think it's going to be good. Yeah. So our first kind of, they're not like actual well-organized categories. They were just Jamie categories. It's, it's all a facade. So it's a loose categorization system. We've got the first one being like camera equipment. Okay. So a, a common staple in almost every single ghost YouTube hunting shows like Shane and Ryan what are they the watcher the watcher mm-hmm. for example you've got your basic night vision and regular videos because you know youtubers literally all famous people need to record video to to make it famous it it, it um, is essential to have a video recorder to post on a video publishing website Typically. (laughs) Typically. You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, But they also use full spectrum videos, which visualize all areas of the light spectrum, even that unseen to human eye, so like infrared and ultraviolet as well. Um, And they use basic photography and video, so digital, infrared, and disposable cameras, which I think Mm -hmm. are cool because people can catch orbs on that. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still debating whether I believe in orbs because it could just be dust or dirt, but... I agree, and I think that's... I'm okay with a well-placed orb, though. (laughs) Absolutely, that's what I was going to say, is I think the placement of them and the timing of them are not definitive proof ever, Mm -hmm. but I think they can be beneficial to an investigation to be able to find something like that. Yeah. Because it just... It may not be the entire argument. Like, I'm I'm pretty likely to believe things. <laughs> like I'm, <laughs> I'm less likely. Yeah. So, but I'm not going to say that someone can show me an orb in a photo and I'm going to be like, wow, that place is super haunted. That's it. Like, I'll never yeah. go there. Super haunted. I'm like, the, realistically, it could be dust. It could be fuzz. It could be a bug. Mm-hmm. It could be a light reflection off of something. So, yeah take it with a grain of salt, but if you've got mountains of other evidence coming from a location, and if you're hearing noises coming from one spot, and then you capture an orb on camera by that spot, like, it, it's supplemental evidence, I think, that can be beneficial, Mm -hmm. and using the disposable camera, where you know for a fact there's no way of going in and altering it on the spot, especially, makes me more inclined to not trust it, but to appreciate it. Yeah. Good word choice. Thank you. Yeah. Um, another camera thing that I actually think is really cool, um, but I haven't seen it work in, like, live investigations. It's called an SLS, or kinetic camera. Mm. An SLS stands for Structured Light 3D Scanner. So if you've ever seen... Sh- uh, what's it called? I think it's Paranormal Investigation 5. Paranormal Activity. We meant Paranormal Activity. (laughs) We're just silly. One of the... Not the first one. It's one of the Paranormal Investigations. Um, They use it, and it's obviously a movie. But, like, they see a child running through the Mm. 3D lights, and that's always actually spooked me. See, this is... This is a side note. 
but I remember the first time I watched a paranormal investigation movie mm. and I had no context of it being a film, like a found footage oh. film. And I was like, how do people not know about this? <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? So scary. There's so much evidence here and no one's talking about it. And then my mom was like, um, that's because it's, it's a film. Yeah. And I was like, mm, that makes sense. But yeah, this is just a device that uses a pattern of infrared dots to detect objects or people in complete darkness. The SLS camera is the one that I almost find the most unsettling. Definitely, because if you see something moving, you see something moving. So what I need people to understand, if you haven't seen an SLS camera in use, is it uses like a dot grid almost. Yes. Not, it's not the dot grid. We'll talk about the lights that they use separately. Mm -hmm. It's not, you don't see all the dots, but on the device that you're using, whether it's a laptop, an iPad, whatever, when you're using the SLS camera, you can see the figure pop up. Like it will indicate arms, legs, an area where a head should be. Like it pops up as a figure. You can see the movements of joints. You can see things growing, things reaching. And a lot of times when they capture something on an SLS camera, they're also capturing intelligent communication through other equipment uses, through audio recordings, through, or even them audibly asking if this is really a person, if this is really you, can you reach your arm forward, reach your hand out to touch me, touch the object that's on the bed and you can see on the sls camera you can see the dots and the lines it's basically like a giant stick man you can see the stick man like moving the joints and reaching and standing Mm -hmm. up and walking and i one of the most disturbing ones i've ever seen it got down on all fours and started crawling no no and i was like yeah no yes i'd be out of there so quick Yeah, but the SLS cam, while it's so simple in concept, it's so unsettling to think that you can see the size of something, you can see the intensity of movements, you can see the speed of it. It just throws me off. I feel like we're more qualified to talk about this than I thought. We have been watching, like, ghost hunting stuff since we were, like, well, at least since I was, like, 11. Oh, since I was, like, eight. Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, Dead Files. I love Ghost Adventures. Paranormal Lockdown. Oh, my God. I don't remember one of those ones, but people would recount their stories and have actors Mm. (laughs) reenact it while they're talking. And I used to watch it with my (laughs) great-grandma. So, this is bringing back memories. and I love that she was watching those. I don't know if she was aware that's what we were watching, but... Anyway. Um, so, do you have anything else to say about camera equipment? I don't think so. I think it's, like you said, it's sort of the the bare minimum when it comes to paranormal yeah. investigations is they're gonna have a camera involved yeah. somehow. We get into the juicier stuff, don't worry. Actually, I do have something I'd like to point out. I think okay. one thing that people often bring up is like well if you have such 
intense evidence. If you are seeing all these things, why aren't there pictures of it? Why don't we have more videos of things? Why aren't we capturing anything? And I think it's such an interesting phenomenon. We've talked a little bit about it with, I think I went on the same rant when we talked about Bigfoot and when we talked about UFOs. Mm. How in the moment there's almost some sort of like, it sounds stupid, but some sort of spell that seems to be put on people when you're in the face of something paranormal mm-hmm. or supernatural, whatever, however you want to call it, where it's something that you just haven't seen before and you are so naturally inclined not to think about taking a photo, not to mm-hmm. think about needing to snap an image because in the moment, and I'm speaking from personal experience now, in the moment it feels like that's meant for you to see and if you look away you don't even get to see it and that's gone not just from everybody but from you too Mm -hmm. so I think a lot of people don't believe or might be more skeptical because there's not tangible proof but realistically scientifically speaking there's not tangible 100% unfounded proof of many things. Nothing is real. <laughs> and that was that was the normal way of saying that. <laughs> Everything is made up. Like, if you want to get into it, you know, you and yeah. me were made of skin. What's skin? A bunch of cells. What are cells? A bunch of atoms. What are atoms? Prove it. We don't, <laughs> well, that's the thing, is everything in science, people are so, oh, paranormal investigating is not a scientific practice. Everything about science is that it's falsifiable and that the theory can and most likely will change once we acquire more information. It's the same with paranormal investigating, where, sure, you can't prove that something's there, but you also can't prove that it's not there. Mm. So, immediately, it's a theory. And all theories can be tested and proven or disproven. And, uh, like... Guilty until proven innocent. (laughs) Exactly. Like, there's no... There is no definitive answers for anything in the universe. How many times have our theories about creation changed? How many times have our theories about atoms and neurons changed? How many times have we gone from thinking that the Earth was flat to round to orbiting around the sun, orbiting around the Earth? Like... Everything that we have once fundamentally understood has changed. So why would this be any different? Man, you're the one philosophical. Just because you can't take a photo of it doesn't mean that it's not happening. It's just a theory. A ghost (laughs) theory. (laughs) Oh, God. Anyway, that's I'll hop off the soapbox now. Thank you. Say, are you done your philosophical yeah. <laughs> debate on what life is? And this is why the Department of Philosophy at my undergraduate university sent me three different letters asking me to change my <laughs> degree plan. You need to take a parapsychology degree. That's what you need to do. Mm. There's all ufology. You do Add parapsychology, it. I do ufology. Boom. We're set for life, dude. Can you guys send us four thousand dollars so that we can afford yeah, to? Yeah, please, please, and thank you. No biggie. Um. So the next topic we'll get into 
is just your basic everyday beginner tools. This is stuff that is going to be either free to your basic ghost hunter or relatively cheap. You may already hopefully have these uh, tools with you if you decide, hey, I want to be a YouTuber and hunt ghosts. And that hunt would ghost. be basic technology, tablet, computer, uh, your phone, um, literally any like handheld device you can use. And the basics just are record data, uh, record audio, video, and you can even record some environmental fluctuations like in the electromagnetic fields. We'll talk more about those later. And just having basic digital and analog recordings. So you can record audio, like I stated before, on like a phone or a computer. But the one I really like is when people record on a cassette tape or a cassette player because they will record themselves, for example, asking questions. They'll say something and then be silent during that. And then once they've asked all the questions they want, they'll stop. They'll play it back. And there are some cases where you literally hear whispers that the people did not hear when they were saying their questions. Not even necessarily whispers. Sorry to cut in again. Go for um, it. <laughs> sometimes it's screams. Sometimes yeah. it's loud Or like whistles. Static. Like things you'd think they'd hear. Things that should be picked up by the yeah. human ear that are not. And those are called EVPs or and what electronic is... voice phenomena. Oh, ho, ho. Not to be confused with a UAP. <laughs> Which is what, Jamie? Unidentified aerial phenomena. Yeah, she's got it, folks. I almost blanked. <laughs> I know you did. Um, I watched it happen. But yeah, it's it's quite spooky and, you know, we have to trust that the people who are showing this evidence don't have somebody in the corner whispering and stuff. But yeah, take yeah. like everything I say with a grain of salt today. That That's exactly what I was going to point out. Like, none of these... Like, I know I just went on a whole rant about evidence and trusting that it's <laughs> a thing that you can understand. Mm. But at the same time, it's important to question everything. Mm-hmm. And it's important to go into things like this and anything that you're being taught, anything that you're learning about, go into it with questions. And a healthy the, dose of skepticism. Exactly. Because there is no way of fully being able to trust what's happened mm. if you're not there. And that's yeah. not just in terms of ghost hunting. That's not just in terms of watching YouTube videos or anything like if your friends tell you that a conversation happened, you have to trust what they've said. You have to yeah. trust that they're not switching things up. Like, like when I see people, like, when I see videos of ghost hunting and, you know, they have some instances of where they, they see things, they hear things on the recordings, they feel a presence, they talk about the temperature changes, someone gets, like, a scratch on their back. And I, as a viewer, am like, okay, that could be fake. But if I was there in person and that happened, I'm 100% believing. I'm shitting myself, actually. Yeah, you really just have (laughs) to be there to, like, believe it. So, I get it. I get the skepticism. 
Uh, completely. And like we said, like, I don't... Like, a healthy level of skepticism is not just important, but necessary. But mm-hmm. I think that's kind of a life lesson. Not even just in terms of paranormal investigating. A healthy dose of skepticism with any information that you're processing is required. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like I can't shut up today, so. You can't. <laughs> it's okay. All right. All right. At least um. still on the same page. Your hair looks nice. <laughs> Thank you. So the next category I want to get into is just the classics. Mm. You've probably heard of these. Maybe you know of them, but don't know what they mean. Um, totally fair. I want to talk about the the basic EMF meter. Mm. What does That's EMF stand for? Electromagnetic frequency. Yeah. Okay, I had I had to guess on that because I couldn't remember exactly. Yeah. Um, so if you've ever watched a YouTube video, <laughs> you've, you've probably seen an EMF reader. <laughs> if you've ever been on the internet. Yeah, it's that little handheld device with, there's a bunch of little dots at the top that light up. It starts with green and ends in red when, you know, a quote-unquote spirit is interacting. It'll light up the meter and the strongest it can go is if it goes all the way to red. So that's usually mm-hmm. considered, like, a strong answer or a strong presence. I like to think of it as, like, the stereotypical ghost hunting device. When you think it, of, yeah. like, Ghostbusters and yeah, all the devices is. that they have. Like, it's it's the thing that people use. Yes. I um, mean, also, when talking about... Sorry, I actually can't shut up. <laughs> In talking about having a healthy dose of skepticism, it should also be pointed out that EMF meters and EMF readers are normal, like they're not just ghost hunting equipment, they are actually used to look for electromagnetic fields when you're building a house, when you're installing something, like they're used for a reason. So it's important to understand that when you're using an EMF meter, if there's a particular area that has strong electromagnetic fields Mm -hmm. it's going to pick up on that so it might not be as reliable as one would hope it would be yes yeah that's the thing especially if you're in like say an abandoned building Mm. or a place you've never been you can get some false positive readings that's nobody's fault you just have to try and deduce it yourself when you're in there exactly um the next one i'd love to talk about are rem pods oh Do you remember what REM stands for? We talked about this in our Halloween special. Yeah. Radio. No. (laughs) Ra. Re. It's okay. Radiating electro. Ah! Magnesicity. Magnesicity. I don't know how to say it properly. Um, This is also a very common one, especially like in the past few years. I think it's gained a lot of popularity. Um, it's a little circular device that it does the same thing essentially as like an EMF reader, but not. Um, so if a, you know, spirit is around said, not box. Cylinder. Cylinder. Yeah. It'll light up certain colors. So I believe the colors have different meanings, but I couldn't find a clear definition. Um, Typically. Yes, if I could butt in. <laughs> Go for it. Shocking. 
Um, typically, a REM pod will have a red light on it. Yeah. When So instead of picking up on electromagnetic frequencies, it's going to pick up on not like not like body temperature, but it's going to pick up on... Electromagnetic. <laughs> it's going to pick up on a presence. Like, mm. if there's... You have to be... Like, if you wave your hand over it, it'll go off. Yeah, but you have to be right up against it yeah. for it to pick up on that frequency. So it's basically picking up on a connection to something else in the area. So if you walk by it from a few feet away, it's not going to go off. But if you're right next to it, kind of hovering over it, it's going to go off. So it has a resting, typically a REM pod will have a resting red light. Once that field is activated and that alarm goes off, it's going to go to green. It and also then makes a scary sound. It does. It makes a very aggressive beeping sound. <laughs> so if a substance, a creature, a thing... Mm -hmm. is right like on top of it essentially touching the device itself um it'll go like all of the colors so i believe it's just red green and yellow that yellow only comes in when it's being touched when that like consistently super 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 close presence is there yeah and it'll like rotate through the colors and the, the sound will become more intense little fun fact for you the rim pod was created for the ghost adventures team Mm. So, our buddy's at your history for the for the month, the year, the episode. There you go. You're right. They make a spooky sound. Like I know if I'm sitting in a dark room trying to hunt ghosts and I hear the, I'm gonna pee a little. Especially from a different room. I see a lot of investigators use REM pods at like the end of the hallway, Mm -mm. or like they'll put one upstairs and they'll go downstairs and try to do some sort of method or some communication, and then they'll hear the REM pod going off upstairs. And it's I'm just like, a hey. rat trying to run by, and it's like... <gasps> I'd shit myself still. <laughs> Quite frankly. So another common one I want to mm-hmm. talk about, and also I want to debunk a little bit, but not oh. really. I want to pass judgment on. Incredible. Are the touch light flashlights... Mm. These are a common one where it's just, like, a basic flashlight you'd get from, like, Canadian Tire or wherever Americans get <laughs> stuff. <laughs> or <that laughs> American Wheels, whatever American your American tire. equivalent. Um, it's a flashlight that has a certain setting that you can turn it on where it will, you have to touch it to turn on the light, like, touch it to turn it off. Um, very basic, but people use this to, like, communicate with ghosts and be like, we'll tap it once to, like... Tell us if you're here, like, turn the light off. turn the light on. But I found out recently that there's also a mode that you can turn it on where it flashes at random. Mm. So now whenever I see those, I question it a little bit. Like, is it just on the random mode just so they can get content? I don't know. That's fair. That is fair. There's your healthy dose of skepticism. Yeah. Because usually that is the most unsettling stuff for me. Yeah. When I see a light turn on, I don't know what it is about lights. They just freak me out. Okay. Well, That's continue just with general. that freaked out thing. Ouija boards. <laughs> ah! Um, this is something that is less common on TV, but I feel like happens a lot. Um... Ouija boards, 
they are a wooden, typically wooden board with, like, the alphabet and um, some words, like, yes, no, goodbye. Originally marketed as a board game for children. Yeah. Just pointing that out. Don't play with it. <laughs> um, um, she says that now. I'm going to interrupt her again. Oh, Shocker. No. I would like to point out the biggest point of contention in our friendship for several years as children. I'll still do it. I know you will. <laughs> See, we're about to have another fight right now. She, the amount of times we would have like sleepovers or be hanging out and she'd be like, should we go get a Ouija board? Should we make a Ouija board? I made you a Ouija board. We're going to do it. She'd come up to me in school with a drawn out Ouija board and be like, <laughs> do you think there's ghosts at school? And I'd be like, actually, get the fuck away from me right now. Everybody's so creative. I don't know. No. No. Anyway, it's used to communicate with spirits. <laughs> and that's exactly why it should be fucking gone. Okay, thanks. Um, do you want to talk about dowsing rods? You're not going to say anything more about Ouija boards? No. Oh, okay. And sure, I'll talk about dowsing rods. Okay. Don't mind me, I was just doing my makeup to go to the gym, you know. That's what it does. So, dowsing rods are one of the most, I mean, maybe not in general. I think in my circle of friends and in Jamie and I's circle of friends, I say that as if we have other friends. Um, (laughs) It's almost a point of contention in the paranormal community because... The thought of a dowsing rod seems so simplistic that it's almost, like, too easy to debunk, if that makes sense. Yeah, for reference, it's, like, two L-shaped, usually brass rods that people hold in their hands. Yeah. So you can get a visual. So what I want people to picture and to, like, understand is that we have EMF readers now. We have, like, EVP recordings. We have all these fancy devices. That wasn't always a thing. Mm. Yes, paranormal investigating has become um, more popularized in the last 15, 20 years, I would say. But that doesn't mean that it didn't exist before. Mm. And it doesn't mean that paranormal investigating hasn't had to evolve like any other career or hobby would evolve over time. So... Electromagnetic fields have always been a point of interest for paranormal researchers, and a dowsing rod is essentially, I don't want to say a prehistoric version, but it's mm. its an early version of an EMF reader, Well, didn't people also use it to, like, find water, like, to make yeah, a well? Yeah, so that's the reason it's called a dowsing rod. Um mm. So sometimes it's also called um, a divining rod. Um, So most typical uses, just like an EMF reader is typically used by builders or electricians or whoever is installing something. Dowsing rods were used by people who were looking for like uh, main lines of water um, underground so that when they were building, they could build a well in a certain spot or avoid building a house on a certain spot. Mm-hmm. whatever the case may be um a lot of times it was used to search for minerals or lost items but it's essentially using the natural aspects of the planet to guide your answers 
So in the same way that you can use a REM pod to say like, oh, if you can get up close and make this light change, like touch the light if the answer is yes. Touch the light if the answer is no. Make this noise if you want to. Cross the rods if you want to. Exactly. Cross the rods, point the rods a certain way, to the right, to the left, if you're, I don't know, this person from the past. Cross the rods if you are want us to leave like it's an early way of being able to communicate using the natural um facets of the earth so so much of paranormal investigating and so much of science in general is using natural phenomenon Mm -hmm. to connect to what we believe to be the next natural plane right when it comes to to spirituality, you assume that crossing over isn't bringing you into a whole completely new world. It's just bringing you to a, a different realm, a different version of the world that you have, right? So the belief has always fundamentally been that if we can connect to the natural points on the planet, we can naturally be more connected to all planes of existence. And the dowsing mm. rod is a way of doing that it Mm. used to be like a y-shaped stick that they would use and it would like lead them places people believed that it was um like a sixth sense almost and that people who were more inclined to the paranormal could use the dowsing rod as a guide for locating things or locating information obviously it's a little bit easier now to not debunk, but maybe be a little bit more skeptical about them. Yeah. Because the argument against them, I understand. I think they're interesting from a historical perspective, but I am also less likely to believe an answer that comes from a dowsing rod because it's so simple to just shift a little bit and the rods move. Shift your thumb in a certain way and you can manipulate the way that the rods are turning. So... Take it with a grain of salt as anything else, but this is where it all started. So the simple things like the dowsing rods, like the Ouija boards, there are roots of paranormal investigation as we know it today. That's actually... Do you have anything more to say about that? Please shut me up. I was going to say, that's like a pretty good segue to like my next topic. Like you're talking about natural phenomena. My next topic is like basic environmental monitoring. There you go. That's, that is the basic facet of paranormal investigation is mm-hmm. our environment. That's why if you look at the Appalachians have such high rates of paranormal mm-hmm. activity, being in the mountains, being close to water, being in a forest, anything that has a big source of natural energy yeah. is where... Got ley lines. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so multiple different environmental monitorings are used um for example one we've got our infra sound not infrared infrasound monitoring equipment which assesses the level of sound vibrations you've got air quality monitoring equipment to assess levels of gas such as carbon monoxide which is thought to contribute to reports of paranormal activity Uh, You've got the Geiger counter, which I just learned how to say today, (laughs) which measures fluctuations in radiation 
which can also be uh, a contributor to paranormal activity or also is a good indicator you should get out of there and not be ghost hunting here. <laughs> yeah. Not because they're scary ghosts, but because you might be poisoned. Yeah. <laughs> You've got infrared and ultrasonic mo- monitor sen- motion sensors to detect possible movement within a certain area, or it can help create a controlled environment where all human movement is detected. So, you know, it may seem pretty quiet on that front, ghost hunting-wise, but also that means, you know, no no strangers are going to roam in, and it's not going to be like a homeless person making a sound, or some kids mm. trying to mess with you in abandoned buildings. You'll know if some human is there. That's um, a very good point. Thank you. <laughs> I thought this was kind of cool, and... I didn't know about this until I was doing my research. Mm. Some ghost hunters use a compass as if it was an EMF reader and use it to, like, determine paranormal things. So, like, if North starts going wonky, they follow it. I was gonna mention that when I was talking about dowsing rods, but I totally forgot. Yeah, that's crazy. But this is what I mean. Early equipment, things that, like, dowsing rods were not created for paranormal investigation. EMF readers were not made for paranormal investigation. Compasses were obviously not made for paranormal investigation. But these are natural tools that connect with our reality and the fields that are in our plane of existence and play a major role. So mm-hmm. it's, it's cool stuff, and I like it. You've also got the, the classic temperature measurements. You've got your, you know, it's getting really cold there's a demonic presence, or suddenly it's mm. heating up, there's a demonic presence. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've got ambient temperature measurements, like a thermographic camera. Uh, oh, big word, which is, you go. Thank you. Which is used to help detect and visualize temperature changes. You've got thermal imaging cameras, infrared thermometers, and like other infrared temperature sensors. Think about those cameras where everything is blue, and then you put your hand in front of it and it's red because your hand is hot, the environment is cold. So I would love to talk about the human category. Please do. Humans are important to the investigation. Shocker. For many reasons. You sound like you're in a nature documentary. (laughs) The humans once originated from... (laughs) (laughs) Um... Humans are important for, first and foremost, historical research. I know. Oh, you're my welcome. favorite kind. <laughs> like, anything about a property, you know, say a 300-year-old property, someone wrote stuff down about it. Somebody kept track of that. Somebody made a record somewhere. And that somebody is my favorite kind of person. <laughs> yes. And obviously, doing research about a property or a place or a person isn't required when coming into contact with ghosts, but it can give you context clues. It can help. Sure, it can cause people to, like, jump to conclusions and make investigations a little wishy-washy, but it can also help if you're doing an investigation and, you know, you keep hearing the word balloon, balloon, balloon. You may be like, oh, my equipment's faulty, this is stupid, but if you had done your research and found out a child was here and died at a circus balloon, 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 suddenly makes sense. Yep. 
and interviews are also important. Collecting testimony, hearing about other people's stories and allegations, seeing if it relates to what happens on your paranormal investigation. Important. Important. And the the religious people. Demonologists, exorcists, the clergy, members of the church, you know. I'm not necessarily a religious person, but if you're going into a particularly haunted place and they bring you a sense of peace, bring them, by all means. I have learned that I am not a religious person until I'm faced with paranormal <laughs> And then immediately... Okay, so we bring one for you. Yeah. And, you know, they're a good idea to have, you know, if you want them to, like give a blessing or perform a ritual to like cleanse the area um or to like chase away negative energies poltergeist say say prayers just anything like that yes get on your soapbox thank you (laughs) i think it's also i'm glad jamie mentioned this because i think it's important contextually to understand the history of a place because that also helps understanding what sort of spiritual advisor may be beneficial Mm -hmm. if you're looking at i don't know an old buddhist temple probably don't bring in a catholic yeah a catholic priest is probably not going to be beneficial for you (laughs) um if you're i don't know if it's like the exorcist and it's clearly like i don't know a roman catholic religious thing you're talking to beelzebub over there yeah like it depending on how the situation is going like context is important not saying that any sort of personal spiritual advice wouldn't help but if a specific type of religious intervention would be beneficial then it's it's probably gonna be helpful to know if you're dealing with like i don't know like a, a an indigenous spirit like a like an earth a Elemental is the word I was looking for, like an elemental spirit. Mm-hmm. Having an indigenous advisor from that particular community is going to be significantly more beneficial than having a priest come in and try to bless the earth. Like and having Kathy from Scientology to join. Yeah, <laughs> never trust a Scientologist in anything. <laughs> but it it's it all goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Essentially, another good idea, another group of people to have. Mm-hmm. are magical peoples, psychics, <laughs> mediums, clairvoyants, people who can sense or, like, make contact with spiritual entities. Bring them. Why Let me not? Tell What's you, the harm? After living in a haunted house, <laughs> there is nothing more comforting than knowing that you also live with a witch who mm. has blessed the house in every wicked way possible. <laughs> I could actually it sleep It sounded at night. like every freaking way, every, every wicked way. Every wicked way. That's good. <laughs> it helps. So shout out to Rosie. Thank you. I love you. Do you have anything you want to add about people? No. Okay. My That's next the boring category. part. Yeah, my next category is boxes. If you're confused, that's okay. <laughs> I love a good box. So there's a couple of different boxes that are useful You've got a static box. It's self-explanatory. It detects changes in static electricity around said box. Um, Is that the one that goes... 
Yeah, it sounds like static. <laughs> it's awful. Yeah. There's no there's no quiet mode for static is the problem. Yeah, it's obnoxious. Yeah. You've got ghost boxes, which are the radio devices which scan randomly AM and FM frequencies mm. and present like words like typically people will have like headphones in to hear better, which we'll talk about something about that. But like you'll hear mumbles and jumbles and like a word will jump out at you. Um and the theory is that those words are coming in clearer because they're being translated from what, like, a ghost is trying to say and being used from, like, the radio frequency. What I have taken from that, because the likelihood of scanning a bunch of radio frequencies and having one word or part of a word come out is mm. high. If you're scanning mm. every radio station ever, you're more than likely you're going to get part of a word. So mm-hmm. the impressive part and the, the interesting part about using the box is when you get more than one word put together. Yeah. So if you get part of a sentence, a string of words that are connected, not just like pizza, fish, bagel. Yeah. Like, if it's that's, like, help me mom. <laughs> yeah. Or I was listening to one the other day where they, they were in a like haunted jail and they said guards didn't do anything. Ooh. Whew. I was going to shit myself. I wasn't even there. Yeah. But when it's contextual, when it's coherent, and when it's consistent, those are the three C's of EVPs. That was good. Thank you. Came up with that on the the spot. Consistent, consecutive. Consistency, coherency, and contextual. Contextual. So if it makes sense based on what you're asking it. If you're talking to a spirit and saying, what's your name? And they say garbage. You're probably <laughs> like, nah, okay. Got low self-esteem there, but buddy. But if you're, it's just me talking. <laughs> but if you're, like my example that I gave, if you're in a prison and you say, what happened here? And they say, guards didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Like, that context is key. Yeah. So spirit box is another name for ghost box. Yeah. Does the same thing. Maybe different brand. I don't know. Our next topic is other. Caitlin, do you want to explain what an ovulus is? <laughs> I would love to. So they're used a lot with um, with spirit boxes. Um, mm. But they're essentially a different way for a spirit to communicate. So the theory is that when you're using a spirit box, it takes a lot of energy for the entity, whether it's a demon, a ghost, whatever, Um, for the entity to use their voice, to communicate through words. Um, So the obelisk is a device where it has a preset dictionary, essentially, and it allows the the entity to essentially go through that dictionary and find words, Mm. and those words will pop up as if it's being read out. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, have you ever seen those, like, Insta-translate things where it'll pop up and say... Like, you scan something, and this is the word that it's saying. I don't know how to give a good example. It sounds like Siri. It sounds like Alexa. It sounds like Google saying okay. just a word. Yeah. So, if I were to be... Let's say I died, and Jamie was doing an investigation using mm-hmm. the ovulus. I would, pick a, I would, like, pick the word friend. And I would say, she'll know that it's me if I pick the word friend. And it would pop up on the ovulus, typed out saying friend, mm-hmm. 
but also showing, like, also audibly hearing the word friend. friend. Yeah, exactly. You'll need to say something more specific than that. Like, you'll need to say something goofy. Like, yeah. Yeah. Say Titanic. You'll be like, fuck. That was a good one. I was going to say pickle or something random. (laughs) I'll take it. If you say pickle, Titanic, and friend, I know it's you. (laughs) There we go. But yeah, the obelisk is essentially just an easier way. The The thought is that it takes less energy to select something and interact with technology and manipulate that energy than it does to manipulate sound frequencies. Mm-hmm. So that's an obelisk. Thank you. <laughs> um, another one that I think earns a brief mention are trigger objects. Mm. Props that are Music. used to get interactions from you know yeah they're a little spooky it's always the music box yeah there's you know music boxes i don't like the the toys you got like Mm. teddy bears it can be photos balls to roll back and forth oh i'll get into those (laughs) (laughs) um the one that gets me are like the teddy bears with the motion sensors in it it's essentially a REM pod in the shape of a yeah. teddy bear. So, like, if a child goes, like, goes to grab the hand of the teddy bear, no, no. it gets triggered and tells you, thanks for holding my hand. I like, don't fuck with child spirits. No, I don't either. Because it's never Or, or you use something that's meaningful, like, for Caitlin, if she's dead I, and I bring in one of her books and I light it on fire... She's gonna How fucking dare you. Yeah, she's gonna show up. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be there. I'll light <laughs> you on fire. The fuck? Yeah. And what Caitlin was mentioning, the cat balls. Um mm. well they're essentially like cat toys. They're vibration activated light spheres. So they're little plastic balls that look identical to a cat toy that if somebody, you know, pokes it, kicks it, breathes on it too hard. <laughs> It'll light up the balls and note so that you know something is, like, touching it or is, like, in motion next to it. Um, And I saw this one investigation where I was a little iffy about them because they kind of go sporadically. Mm -hmm. It literally, they had it in a circle around them while they were talking. It lit up as if something ran around them. Like, one ball at a time. And I was like, ooh. I don't like that even a little bit. Mm Mm-mm. I can talk about the some divination methods. Please do. Are we getting into methods now? I'm so excited. Yeah. I love them. You know, they're up to each individual and how you want to interpret them and if you want to believe them. La 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 la. But you've got tarot cards. You've got, like, communication with, like, a pendulum. So, like, holding something and seeing if it swings a certain direction. Um... I don't know what it's called, but there's one method where you have a piece of paper and you write, like, yes, no. Mm. And then you have, like, a pencil balancing. And guys, whichever way it rolls. You guys in our age category. Do you remember the Charlie Charlie challenge? That oh, thing. I could never think of it, but that's that what I'm thing. referring to. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, holding a seance. That's a little, little bit more for the professionals, but... <laughs> That's a whole um, other episode to talk about. Yeah. I thought it was kind of cool to talk about automatic writing. Mm, I also love... Also called yeah. psycho- psychography. 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 There you go. 
<laughs> um, it is a psychic ability that allows a person to like produce written words without like doing it consciously. Mm-hmm. Um, so people can like wear a blindfold and they just start writing on a piece of paper and it's not really coherent until it is until like they're done writing and you see like a name or some sort of message you see a lot of um it being practiced during um like medium sessions Mm -hmm. because they're not picking up on particularly what a spirit is saying but just that there's a message that's there from someone yeah and like how it works supposedly is that like the spirits are able to like manipulate the person's hand because they just they hold their hand loosely Mm -hmm. and like give permission to like use their hand for that certain amount of time to like get that message across and i i think that's pretty cool yeah, I like that a Especially lot. if, like, their eyes are closed and they can't really see. I I could believe that. If you're coming out with words or pictures, you know, mm-hmm. drawings even, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also, yeah. it's tied very closely to remote viewing, which yes. we, won't, we won't get into because that's a whole other conversation as well, but they're... Yeah, there's, there... and we will have a conversation about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Well, Jamie and I often do. It's real... Sorry, I it's so real. And speaking of being blindfolded for methods, yeah. Do you want to talk about? I think probably both of our favorite methods. A hundred percent, my favorite method. Yeah, I love the thought of this. Um, so we're going to talk about the Estes method. Yes. So the Estes method uses the spirit box, and that blindfolded sort of. Uh, Almost like, I want to say, like, isolation tank ideal. Yep. In a way to connect to the spirit world in a separate way. So it's called the Estes Method because it was first used in uh, Estes Park, Colorado at the Stanley Hotel. So there's um, paranormal investigators that work primarily at the Stanley because it's one of the most haunted locations. How do I get that job? (sighs) Dude. I need to apply right now. (laughs) So essentially, um, it was created by um, these investigators named Carl Pfeiffer, Connor Randall, and Michelle Tate. And they were working on investigating part of the Stanley. Uh, I believe from, I listened to an interview with Connor Randall. And I, if I am remembering correctly, they were looking in like the, the auditorium area of the Stanley Hotel. Because they used Uh-oh. to put on like concerts and shows there. And as we all know, any sort of theater aspect carries a lot of energy with it. Um, But they started to sort of get less interaction from the spirits. And they were wondering, how can we, how can we get more? Um, So they essentially said, what if we isolated the noise from a spirit box and fed that noise into a person? So the spirit box itself is not the receiver anymore. It's the investigator. Mm. So the goal of the Estes method is to capture and output the communications from spirits. So you have one person with headphones in listening to just the spirit box, the noise cancelling headphones connected only to the spirit box. You're only hearing that annoying of the radio frequency. They're blindfolded, so they're not 
lip reading, they're not getting any external influence. Mm-hmm. And the other, this is the key, is you need two investigators. The other person is asking questions. Essentially, yeah. the person undergoing the Essie's method is relaying what they're hearing without any bias of hearing the conversation. If Jamie and I are investigating and I hear Jamie saying, well, what's your name? Who am I speaking with? I'm going to be more inclined to hear things like, oh, my name is whatever. Maybe Mm -hmm. I'll try subconsciously. Investigators will often try and answer the questions for themselves. So it's harder to understand an EVP when you have a preconceived notion of what the answer should be. But that's why I'm so much more likely to believe this method. Exactly. So when you have, again, contextual, concise, and consistent answers, when you don't know the context of the question, it's a pretty effective way of investigating. I'm not going to lie. So uh, it's become a really popular method. They came up with this method in 2016, I think it's yeah relatively so it's new. it's very recent but I'm seeing it a lot more and it makes me really excited because yeah. I think from a scientific standpoint it's a pretty darn like scientific theory well because some of it can be coincidence but if you're holding a full conversation the way yeah. some of them do yeah I don't know if you can explain that away it's really cool exactly so i i really like the essays method and i think it's a really fundamental move forward for paranormal investigation as a whole and Mm -hmm. as it's popularized in media and more skeptics are coming out and being more critical as they should but i think it's hard to fundamentally deny the results of the essays method that's my two cents on that beautiful I don't have anything else to add. I think I think that wraps us up. We've honestly. jabbered on for a while. We have. I really enjoy the thought of all that goes into paranormal investigation. And mm. I'd love to be able to see a lot of these things in use for myself. I don't want to investigate. So it's kind, Would kind of... Would you edit the video of me using these to investigate? Yes. I think <laughs> that's a solid plan. If you would like to go on an investigation with Jamie, let us know. I have so many... Here's my issue. I want to go to multiple different cemeteries. Mm. But the issue is, I want to do it at night. Most Mm. cemeteries are closed at night, and I don't want to trespass, because I'm scared of authority. (laughs) But during the day... Not ghosts, but authority. Yes. (laughs) During the day, there's, there's people or funeral processions <laughs> or mm. cars um so i'll i'll figure something out i'll just I think say. we we had like a mini inve- like paranormal investigator session um when we went to Banff with anna and oh my god that was fun there was definitely stuff there <laughs> we the amount of pictures we took down random hallways and were like in places we should not have been in the hotel um, yeah, but like we were, when like, we asking, went up those stairs that we definitely should not have went up. When we were scary. on the like rich floor for the private <laughs> rooms, don't know how we got there, but there was a lot of tiny little doors that I don't. That understand. really short hallway where Anna's head almost touched. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, scary stuff. Yeah, so 
that's as close as I want to get to investigating myself. But I think the amount of tools is something that I would like to explore yeah. or watch you explore. Thank you. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. And that's, that's Buy my thought Buy me a coffee so it. I can stay up late and do this <laughs> ghost do you, hunting. Do you have anything else to say? If you're a ghost, email us. <laughs> <laughs> if you would like to join Jamie on a paranormal investigation. If you have paranormal investigating experience that you'd mm. like to share, we would Tell love us. to hear it. Tell us all about what these tools are like in use. You can get in touch with us and let us know at our email, which is creepsandcoffee at gmail.com. You can send us a message, maybe check out some images of these paranormal equipments um, over on our Instagram and our Twitter at creepsandcoffee. If you would like to help buy Jamie a coffee and keep (laughs) her going to do these investigations, keep me and my research going... (laughs) Or if you would just like to help support the show, you can check out our Buy Me A Coffee page, which is buymeacoffee.com slash creepsandcoffee. Thank you for joining us on yet another fantastic episode. We were so thrilled to have you, and we look forward to chatting again. And good luck finding the ghosties. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye! Bye! Creeps and Coffee is produced and edited by us, Kate and Jane. Our theme music is Stuck in a Hole by Dayton. For more information on where to find them, check out the link in our show notes. And to connect with us, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Creeps and Coffee.